0: The Ultimate Coach Book.com. Now, enjoy today's conversation from B.
1: Hello, Meredith. I'm so happy to be with you here and you know, welcome you on board on the team of the Ultimate Coach Podcast.
2: Thank you, Cordelia. I'm excited to have this conversation with you today and to be able to join you as one of the hosts for the podcast. I've had my own podcast the last three years, Grow Strong Leaders, and just love the kinds of conversations that are possible, and especially the focus of this podcast on who we are being in the world. There's nothing more
1: important than that. That's so true. And, you know, before we started, we were saying, These conversations are really great. And I, and I hope in our conversation today that we'll take it to a different place of being, um, giving more space to women who have families and run businesses and, um, the, the beauty of the nuances of being in that and with that. Yes.
2: well, I love that because I've been in business with my two business partners now for 31 years. (laughs) And the last several years since I became familiar with Steve Hardison and Steve Chandler's books, that's how I first learned about Steve Hardison was I was reading Steve Chandler's books. And in every book, he's highlighting stories about his coach. So I connected with Steve Hardison on Facebook and just following his posts, reading about him and who he was, was just very not just inspiring to me, it it inspired me to action. It inspired me to think differently about myself, who I am, what my capabilities are, and claiming them. And I was so excited when the new, when the book came out, the Ultimate Coach Book. And and I think it is just a magnificent book. Amy Hardison did a beautiful job capturing the essence of Steve and, of course, all the stories of his clients. Reading the book as if it's for me made all the difference in how I absorbed and experienced the insights and the stories of those other people. And I've just seen a lot of changes happen in my way of thinking, my way of showing up, that have been really profound for me. And I think it impacts those that I interact with
1: as well. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, been life changing for everyone that has read the book so far. And, you know, meeting uh, the work of Steve Hardison through Steve Chandler is a common entry point I'm noticing there's like a through thread in every one of my mm-hmm. conversations <laughs> and uh yeah definitely Amy Hardison captured the work of her husband in just the most beautiful prose and she also makes it easy for the reader to read it as if it's about you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, so I, I'm curious like where did you connect most deeply in the book
2: Mm. two places I would say one is the create chapter and of course creation is throughout the book Um, and also love Mm. those two because I had taken one of those self-assessment strength identifiers and my number one was love now Mm. this has been a number of years ago And I have given lots of thought to how do I demonstrate that? You know, how do I bring that? And Steve just embodies it, you know, with everyone, no matter who they are, it it, there's there's no barriers for him. There's no conditions. There's no judgment. And I absorbed a lot of that. It helped me take my idea about love to a whole different level. And it has impacted how I think about and approach new people, because it's so easy to fall back into patterns of, of appearances or you know, all of the things that we kind of put together in our minds when we first meet someone. Hmm. And having that attitude of love and acceptance and looking for oh, what can I learn about this person? No matter who they are, others feel that when you come from that place. And so the more I have practiced it, the more it's a way of being and it's not an effort. I don't have to consciously think, Oh, I need to be love here. You know, it's just right. how I uh, am feel, feel that moment when I show up. The create part has so many different facets and one of the things i think that really impacted me so much is reading these stories where people bring what they think is a very serious problem to steve and to the rest of us it would be right oh yeah of course <laughs> all the rest <laughs> of us normal humans that does <laughs> a big problem and yet to steve it's nothing there's no, no barriers and I hold that in my mind whenever I encounter something that's unexpected or could be perceived as disappointing or a challenge. I'm, I'm continuously reframing it as what would I like to create from this? It's one of my favorite mm-hmm. questions from the Steve Chandler books. That's also a thread in the TUC book. Given this situation, what would I like to create? And mm. that that produces a whole different feeling. It releases a more creative side of me that would not come out if I were feeling stressed and fretting and worrying over the, whatever the situation might be. And that just to me has had a huge impact on my overall state of, of inner peace, Mm. you know, and being able to feel truly joyful about Whatever presents itself, and I loved the story that um, Steve um, Hardison had in your interview recently with Chris Doris. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I read about it also on Facebook, where you know Hardison gets this flat tire, and he's excited about it. <laughs> that that kind of response. Is something that, you know, I've been practicing also to, to eliminate the time between the incident occurring and my getting to the point where I'm looking at it from the lens of how is this happening for me in this particular situation? And I'll share a story with you a year ago. We were going to have a family reunion with 40 people at one of these big houses at the Outer Banks of North Carolina. Three weeks before that, I think it was Father's Day because my husband and I were with her daughter, our daughter and her family, Mm -hmm. um, which she has a husband and two children. So they were all in the room. And I get a call from my sister, who had been the point of contact with the company down there that we were running the house from, saying The house had burned to the ground. Oh, my. The family that was in it escaped, (laughs) uh, fortunately, and no one was hurt. But my sister was at my mother's house calling to tell us this, and they were hysterical, distraught over this. Mm. And I was, too, for a moment. And then it was like I switched into, all right, given that we have this situation, and, and there is no other house we can rent in that short a period of time because these big houses, there aren't very many of them. Yeah. So I jump into very quickly this solution, you know, creation, what I thought of as a creation mode. Right. Um, okay. So what can we do to think about next year instead? Maybe we'll do that. Well, what I overlooked was that everybody else around me was still. In the moment dealing with that news. And I, um, I think I came, I know I came across
1: as a little too insensitive to. Let's, let's pause. Anything. Yeah. Let's pause with that because that's a really good point. And see, this is what I'm talking about. Like, it's one thing if you're one person on the road with a flat tire, but when you're a matriarch and you've got this whole family reunion planned, right? It's great that you can shift, but what about the other 39 people? Yeah. So then what happened?
2: (laughs) Well, I ended up um, backing off because I could sense that they weren't ready to move on. They were still processing and thinking about the people who had been in that house and what they must have experienced and the disappointment of not getting to see the family because we we usually had these every three years the year before we had canceled it because of COVID. So mm. it had been four years. And so it was just this disappointment of not knowing, do we even want to try again? You know, this was like the second strike. And so mm. people were just needing time to process it. And so I realized I needed to just Be present to their feelings in the moment, even though in my own mind, I was okay with what happened. I accepted it really quickly. Um, But I needed to express and feel in the moment the empathy for the others and the sadness they were experiencing, the disappointment they were experiencing. So it's a learning. I'm glad you paused at that moment because it does make a big difference when you are in a particular place and the other people around you are not. It doesn't make me right. You know, it's not a matter of judging where they are versus where I am. It's being, being aware of and sensitive to what do they need from me? What kind of love and, and how can I serve them best in this moment?
1: And it also sounds like the, the great part of you being in that awareness and creation mode that allowed you to create space to be present and empathize with and love everyone according to where they were in the moment. As opposed to if you were one of the people, um, who were also experiencing that disappointment, it would have made it a lot more difficult for you to hold space and create space for them. So that's the beautiful part of how you're being and how you're able to practice what CD calls none time, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And um so this is the, I, I wanted to, I I love that you shared that story and I wanted to slow down with the the pieces of it. So, you know, because personal development for women has nuances and sometimes we don't know how to process the information. It's like, Oh, you know, like we should just be able to, and I'm going to uh, infuse masculine energy here, right? We have to do and the whole point is to be, which okay. is a feminine energy, right? And it's uh, more of uh, creating an energetic flow of reciprocity of love, non-judgment, um, acceptance, awareness, and, um, and compassion. And you were able to do all those things in none time, that's that's what I'm that's what I want our, our viewers and listeners to hear and experience from your story.
2: Well, when you think about it, and most of us, are, you know, have been raised in and, and our world spends a lot of time resenting, you know, what happens, fighting reality and wishing it weren't that way and regrets and all these negative emotions that don't serve us. And for those of us that have been in this, I'll call it this TUC community, you know, where we've absorbed and come and adopted this whole idea of choosing who we're being in the moment and and being driven by the internal, not what's happening externally. And therefore, whatever happens externally, we can embrace it and see what are the lessons for us? How is this working for us? For those who haven't been exposed to this kind of thinking being, it seems foreign. And and so recognizing it's like, you know, it's, it's like any differences we have with other people in political, religious, whatever the belief systems are. When we've adopted this kind of a belief system of it's up to us, and how we respond, and we can create from anything. It's not how the rest of the world thinks. And so we can feel like a fish out of water at times. And and I think that's another opportunity for growth. And that's what I hear you saying. Whatever situation we're in, we have our own response. And then when it impacts other people, being aware of where they are and what they need at this
1: moment. So we can respond appropriately to them as well. Yeah. And I want to also touch back to um, the piece where you were talking about appreciating um, because I was in a session with you yesterday and you were talking about appreciation. So um, I think that will help people also cross this this uh, way of being you know and close that gap so if you want to share that a little bit of that oh i would love to
2: because you know this is one area that i have also studied and and looked at absorbing so that i am gratitude i in fact that's one of my declarations i am gratitude so that i am in this state of appreciating anyone that I encounter, and instead of criticizing someone, thinking about what is it about them that I can appreciate? And what I was sharing in that session is something I had learned from um, strategic coaches Dan Sullivan years ago, where he talked about two definitions of appreciation. And one of them is really adapted from the military where it means the scouts go out and they want to get, they want to appreciate what's going on. They want to have an understanding of what the enemy or what the other side is doing. And so it's having this full understanding of the significance of. And when we apply that to another person, we take time to reflect on what is their significance in our life. The other definition has to do, of course, with, Value And so when we think of something appreciating, we think of stocks of land value, you know, real estate. But if we put it in terms of people, there's this appreciation that can happen, appreciating in value each person that we meet. And so one of the goals in, in thinking this way is when we encounter that other person, we give thought in advance to how much we value them. And the context of what we were talking about in that other session was someone who you you want to have a good relationship with, but there are issues that you tend to have with them or struggles yeah. in having this good relationship. And so if we can approach them with taking the time to think about what are eight things or six or ten, whatever number you want to use, What are some things that I value about this person so that we approach them with this mindset of, wow, they add a lot of value to my life instead of anticipating some kind of conflict, defensiveness, negative interchange or negative outcome from that, if we can adjust our mind and approach them with this sense of appreciation, it does two things. It increases their value in our own minds, and it also increases their value in their mind. And I can't think of another gift that we can give someone else that's greater than approaching them in a way with love where they walk away from that exchange with us feeling elevated, feeling better about themselves. And that to me is one of the beautiful things Steve Hardison does with everyone. Everyone that comes into contact with him, as far as I know, leaves feeling elevated because of who he sees them to be. And it's something that's accessible to all of us if we consciously take the time to go through this exercise. And it doesn't have to take very long. Just thinking quickly of what are things I appreciate about this person and, and then appreciating also the significance of them in our
1: lives, because people sense that. They do. Not. They definitely feel it. You know, like when, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, what an opening, right? Because this is someone that you're struggling, right? Because you've chosen to struggle. And then you're like, wait, no more struggle. I'm going to appreciate what value this person brings to my life. Like, as I was listening to you, I even felt lighter going into the possibility that I don't have to struggle. I don't have to fight. This is going to be great. You know? Um, and, and that, that to me, makes none time accessible. And <laughs> in the ultimate coach book, I believe the section is referred to as acknowledgement. That's so, you know, people may not resonate with the word acknowledgement. Um, that's why I wanted you to explain about appreciate. Um, and so for, for anyone that reads the book and reads the section on acknowledgement, that's another way to connect, um, with that, that section. If it, if it was a challenge for you previously. So. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, to me, acknowledgement is when you actually verbalize or write, express to the other person, and, and even publicly, you know, you're acknowledging someone's value, someone's worth. The appreciation can happen in your own mind. And then it's how you are with them that they feel that. And I think that it's just amazing because you don't have to say, here are things I appreciate about you. You don't have to list them. It's an exercise for yourself where you are preparing yourself to have the best possible connection with this person and the best possible conversation because you've taken the time, even if it's just a few seconds, to get in that mode of, of appreciation of who they are and what they could bring, you know, too often, because I've had these experiences with people, you know, in my own life over the years, where it got to where I kind of dreaded talking to them, or interacting with them, because it always seemed like it had a negative outcome, or I would leave frustrated, they may not be unhappy, but I was unhappy with how it went. And I don't have those kinds of conversations anymore, because I don't, Bring that baggage to the conversation. When we can start fresh, without the old stories about who they are and how they are towards us, you know, our egos get so wrapped up. In they being do right, in defending ourselves. And one of the things I think that's helped me too, that I've learned from both Steves, is this idea of being curious. You know, instead of reacting to pause and think, oh, that's interesting. I wonder what's behind that. You know, instead of taking it as a personal attack on me, which it usually is not, but depending on where we are in the moment, we perceive words in a particular way. And so being able to stay curious And assume the best of the other person instead of the worst. All of that, you know, makes for just a much more beneficial exchange for both of us.
1: Definitely. And and the other part of what I'm hearing is appreciation is a requirement to get to acknowledgement because otherwise we're being incoherent in, in congruent within ourselves, right. You'd be out of integrity to just verbalize, you know, you bring me joy being in your presences, you know, you'd have to have done that inner process of appreciation for the person before you can actually verbalize, Mm -hmm. you know, because uh, again, in the ultimate coach book, integrity is another very important part, right? Like your words must mean. Uh, exactly. It, it, your words have to be the face value, right? Yes.
2: Yes. I, I, I totally agree with that. And it made me think about the, uh, you know, one of the most important stories I'd ever heard related to Steve Hardison. And then it was in the book was the Deuce Latouille story. Yes. yes. With the TBO, And just thinking about being the best and, and making that internal commitment to be the best. And what it has done for me is it's increased my confidence in making these declarations without concern about comparing myself. So I before I do podcast interviews, for example, I stand up in what Amy Cuddy calls the power pose, right? You can just stand where you feel like I am powerful and then make statements like I am the best podcast host on the planet. And I can say that and believe it because I'm not comparing myself to anybody else. I'm not saying am I really <laughs> that it's that's who I'm showing up as, the best. And so what does that look like in terms of who I am, my behavior? So I am that when I have those interviews, I'm there with service to this person, I'm there with love, I am there to uplift them and bring out their unique brilliance. And so that's what I what's behind the I am the best statements. It's not being half hearted about it. But but this is this moment is important. And so having those kind of declarations where I declare with a deep belief in the truth of it, I am the best, whatever it might be, is just an amazing preparation for being my best. The same with our conversation today, only I said, I am the best (laughs) best guest on the planet. Because then I know I will be in the state where I am speaking from the heart and not trying to impress anyone, but trying to Say things that are useful and helpful to people who are listening so that, that I'm having a positive impact. I think that to me is, is just the key. In fact, this might be a good time to share with you my purpose statement, which I have had and said for a number of years, which is very congruent with everything else I've been talking about. Each word was carefully selected to, to energize me when hmm. I say, so my purpose is to serve and love profoundly so others appreciate their own value and maximize it. Mm. That's so good. who I am. That, that's who I am. I won't say striving, but my focus on being um, each day. I don't hit the mark every day, but you know, but you it, commit to it, it every I, day. It's who I, yeah, it's who I am seeing myself
1: as Mm, that's good you know and commitment being committed to your declarations is is another practice right this is why once you create carefully craft your declarations living into them through the commitment and and like you said you know you don't hit the mark every day well, you may fall off like one minute, one hour, and all you have to do is recommit, right? And just slowly say your purpose statement again and commit to it and, and slowly say your declarations again and commit to those. And, and that's the practice. And, um, and over time you, you be that. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's mm-hmm. so, it, it's so hard for me to say that sometimes just to be <laughs> totally transparent. Cause it's like grammatically incorrect. It drives my brain like, ah, but I know, you know, just be, <laughs> mm-hmm. be your purpose statement, be committed, you know, to, to recommitting and everything. So mm-hmm. I love that you shared that. And I, and I, may I go ahead and make that an invitation to all the listeners? To this episode to create their own purpose statement, you know, to commit to, um, and maybe starting out with the process of appreciating the value that they bring to the world, you know, um, because again, I mostly work with women and I see this often, even with the most intelligent, you know, just celebrated women, they, they still sometimes don't appreciate their own value, you know? Mm -hmm. So just when we talk about appreciation, begin with yourself. Yes. Right. Because we often are the reflection of, you know, what we see in the world. So if you can appreciate it in someone else, that means it's in you.
2: You know, Cordelia, that is such a critical point. We can't, You know, it sounds trite. We can't give to someone else what we haven't given to ourselves. And if we still have things about ourselves that we don't love, that we don't accept, that we judge and criticize, that's going to carry over with other people. And one of the things I've learned in all my years is... When I find myself being intolerant of someone else, and usually it's someone close to me, right? One of my business partners, my husband, (laughs) you know, when I find that, why didn't they do this? Or why didn't I I stop myself? Because I know something is going on with me that's causing me to look out at them and want to blame them for one thing or another. And so recognizing that and then not judging myself has been such a huge learning for me because, well, because one of my phases of learning was, well, if it's not them and it's me, what's wrong with me? So looking at Mm. the negatives there and getting now past that to where, okay, what am I feeling right at this moment? You know, what's behind that? What thoughts am I having that are creating this feeling that is not positive? And so when I can dig deeper, that's where I can get to that none space, you know, (laughs) because I can do it more quickly now. And I am more loving to myself, which, you know, I used to think, well, that's ego, but it isn't. If I can't truly love myself, it's going to be hard to give love to others if I'm attaching judgment, criticism, anything negative to it. So the more I can look in the mirror and say, I love you, you know, and mean it, which I do, then I can be freer to give that to others. It doesn't, there's nothing conditional that I have to attach it to for me to be okay.
1: Let's talk about the definition of love. Cause I love that. That was just so beautiful. The way you shared that it was so kind, you know, and I, I want, I want you to share like the definition of love, because I feel like this is a word that's thrown around a lot and misunderstood a lot. But mm. the way the underbelly of what you just brought up about love, I I love that. So share. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, it's one of those words that we all have certain associations with it. For me, it's a deep caring about the well-being, whether it's of yourself or of another person, a deep caring and commitment. And I don't even have to know them mm-hmm. to have love for that person, because to me, it's not conditioned on, do I already have a relationship with this person? I can love someone before I meet them, just because that's who I'm bringing, what I'm bringing to the relationship. I'm not holding back to judge or evaluate, is this person worthy of my love? That's another, you know, declaration that Steve has, I don't remember his exact words, but I've seen other people have adopted a version of it. Everyone is worthy of my love, and no one deserves my criticism or is worthy of my criticism. And so when I hold that, it's this thing of bringing a generous spirit, caring spirit to the exchange. Even somebody as I'm checking out at the grocery store. I can smile to them behind my mask because they can see my eyes. (laughs) And, you know, expressing appreciation for checking me out so efficiently. There's always something, you know, that I can bring to another person to help them feel uplifted. Um, Another example is with my husband. We've been married now 41 years. Wow. Congratulations. um, (laughs) Thank you. And, you know, one of the things that I say every day, multiple times a day, is I am always kind to Lee. Mm -hmm. I'm always kind to Lee. Because that to me is part of love, answering your question. It's this having a kind spirit. So, You know, over all these years, and we're very different. He is a mechanical engineer that can Mm. fix anything. I look at it kind of helplessly. (laughs) (laughs) Thankful every day that he's in my life to handle those kinds of things because he loves it. You know, it's his area of genius. So naturally there are ways that we are different. And there are times that, you know, he might respond because, you know, he might have a physical pain that's causing him to not be in the best mood. And I just Always have at the front of my mind, I'm always kind to I'm always kind to So, no matter what might happen, I don't respond with an angry, you know, retort to something he might say. I don't take anything, I don't take it personally. I don't get hurt. And it's not because I'm putting up a shield, it's because I know he loves me, you know, and he's committed to me. And he tells me so often, You're the best. You're the best. <laughs> so, he reinforces that, that whole declaration of I am the best. Um, so it's this idea, though, of how I want to be with everyone. I'm mm. kind to everyone. Um, he is my most precious person, so I'm of most course. kind to him. But that sort of the approach as part of being loving to others is what can I do to an, an uplift Elevate, you know, those words help me think about a way of being that causes the person to leave the conversation better. One of my favorite quotes ever out of Steve Chandler's books is the one he wrote with Rich Litvin, and I think it was actually one of Rich's statements in The Prosperous Coach. mm mm-hmm. And it had to do with conversations. This, it was in the context of having, you know, what coaches often call a discovery call or an initial mm-hmm. call. But I applied it to everything because I'm not a professional coach. You know, we run a publishing company. We have books and, and software tools. But I found that having this question before every conversation ha- was transformative. And it's this, how can I serve this person so powerfully? that they never forget our conversation for the rest of their life. Hmm. You know, and the reason that resonated with me so deeply is because it reminded me, they're not going to remember a conversation where I'm talking about myself and our products and what we do, you know, as much as I am being curious about them and wanting to learn about them And asking questions maybe nobody's asked them before Mm -hmm. or observing things and acknowledging them in ways nobody has taken the time to do before. It's that awareness of bringing to the conversation that level of service and caring that can have a lasting impact.
1: Yeah, that is so powerful. That, that book is another book that I've read like probably four or five times. <laughs> I, I revisit that often. And what if we always approach all conversations that way? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, that definitely, what is that created in your world? Well, what's so amazing to me is how easy
2: it is to invite people I've I've been interviewing a lot of chief learning officers, CEOs of some pretty big companies and I uh I'm finding that when I approach, I have a pre-interview call with them where I'm learning about what it is they're most excited about and when I can invite them to talk about this because I'm listening for What, what's their real passion? It's amazing how they just run with it. And then the interview itself is set up to be fabulous. And the relationship I form with these folks is strong. It's not transactional. They feel my genuine interest and excitement about what they're doing and my desire to bring out their unique brilliance and experiences. And so these are not, you know, guests who I I have on and then never reach out to again. It's relationships that we form, introductions that are being made on my behalf that come from a place of giving and loving
1: and serving up front. So you have a just a beautiful community, it sounds like, of people that you've created through these three years of podcasting.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting you use that word creating because that was another part of the, and I don't remember if it was in the create chapter, it might have been, where Steve talks about he's constantly creating. And one of the ways that he does this is when he sees how he can be of service to someone and he makes the introduction to someone else. And he doesn't just say, let me introduce the two of you. He creates the other person to that individual. And he creates them to each other. And before he makes the formal introduction. And I thought, gee, that's what I do when I introduce people. I My uh, title I put on LinkedIn is the heart-centered connector.
1: Yeah, I saw that. That
2: is where I'm coming from. And I realized when I was reading that, chapter. That's what I do in my introductions. I am creating these people with each other. That's why it takes me so long to write an email. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I'm not being trivial, you know, and just saying, here, you meet this person, you need to know each other. I'm describing what it is each one of them brings that could be a benefit for them knowing each other. And so looking at how can I create? Because You know, Steve can feel superhuman at times when you read about all the things he does and who he is. And yet, all that he is doing is accessible to every one of us. It's simply looking at in my life, how can I create? What can I do to create something that doesn't exist yet? Or where am I already creating that I haven't called it that? Because I never called it that with these introductions that I make. But now that I think of it that way, it's got a whole new life and feel to it. That's really fun that um, that and also not having any attachment to it. I think that's another aspect of who we're being. We're doing things as a way of putting good out in the world without any expectation of I'm going to get this back or this is going to happen as a result. We just put it out there. And then good things inevitably come from it. And some of them are big surprises. So you just never know what you, how what you do may come back in some other way that you never expected.
1: Well, Meredith, listening to you and being with you today, I see you as the multidimensional human being that you are, you know? And it's, it's just the slowing down and, and listening to and piecing together all the the through threads between your personal stories, your professional stories, and um, and just hearing the community that you're creating. You know, you're the you're always creating possibility. You're living and committing to your purpose statement on a regular basis and your declarations. I think I'm going to call this one being creation or being gratitude because, uh, or, you know, you just, you, you are superhuman also. And I think that's really the point that Steve is making, you know, on the back of the book with the instructions on how to read it is to see that you're superhuman too. So I am acknowledging you for that. Narrative.
2: <laughs> Thank you, Cordelia. I, I accept that. Thank you. You know, I, I've gotten another way I've grown is I own it. You know, I would claim it and I own it instead of going, Oh no, it's not that great. Yeah, it is great. (laughs) Something is a superpower. And, um, I love you
1: modeling that for us.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, it's so important because so much of our culture Um, and I, my family, you know, you don't toot your own horn. You, you, you know, there are different messages that tell us play small. And what I love, one of the big things I love about Steve is how big he plays. There's no limits. And I love
1: thinking about that. And it's not just because he's (laughs) 6'4".
2: And I just love, you know, the fact that he's committed to helping others see that they also are limitless. And, and that frees me up to play, which I have been, tended to be too serious at times. And so thinking about being more playful in my approach to anything that I do keeps me from taking myself too seriously. Because when we talk about being too serious, it's always how we take ourselves <laughs> yes. and the situation, but it's how we see ourselves first. So being lighter, gentler, kinder, more loving- to myself. That's where it has to start.
1: You're amazing, Meredith. Is there anything else you would like to put in this space before we close? One of the other messages that I've gotten from both
2: Steve Chandler's books and Hardison is this idea of doing it right now. Too often, I think we can talk ourselves out of doing things because we start questioning and doubting Should I do this? You know, does it make sense? Will I regret this? You know, instead of just saying, let's do it. Some of my favorite stories, you know, about Harbison are around him just saying, let's do it now. Let's go on the phone. Let's call this person right now. It's like, why wait? So that again, that none time (laughs) applies to taking action as Mm. well. And I think that's been another huge takeaway for me with the book i'll go back and reread some of the stories where where steve gets his client to do something immediately instead of waiting and that's sort of like a kick for me to okay what's stopping you just your own thoughts yeah <laughs> let go of that stuff and just do it and see where it takes you 100%. so i think that would be my
1: last thing is don't let your own thoughts hold you back yeah be that do it now (laughs) Meredith this has been just a beautiful time and um, I'm so happy that you're on the team and I can't wait to hear uh, your beautiful podcast interviews on the Ultimate Coach Podcast
2: Thank you Cordelia I can hardly wait either I'm very excited about being of service to the podcast community and the TUC community in this way
1: Thank you
0: Thank you for listening. If you know someone who would benefit from today's conversation, please share this podcast with them. Also, we invite you to visit TheUltimateCoachBook.com so you can continue your personal exploration of being. There you will find links to join our wonderful community, get your own copy of The Ultimate Coach Book, and more. Simply go now to www.TheUltimateCoachBook.com That's www.TheUltimateCoachBook.com. The link is also available in the show notes. We appreciate your support. Be blessed. Be you.